0: All right, so we are in our second part episode with Stacey Swiderski, the CEO of Family Source Consultants. She is gonna share with us in this episode the differences that you can experience egg donor or egg donation from a families that are wanting to be parents. Uh, we're gonna dive into both sides uh, so that we can hopefully understand from a donor perspective, but also what the process is for a family that is wanting to be a parent. Hi, I'm Deanna Robbins and I'm Christy North welcome to pieces of a woman podcast
1: where we explore all the pieces that make up a woman mind body and soul by embracing all complexities of being a woman our goal is to share real stories that inspire growth and empower all women to be the best versions of themselves and as Maya Angelou so eloquently said when we know better we do better
0: thank you for taking this journey with us So Stacey, let's just have you briefly again, just share with us a little bit of your background and then
2: let's dive into that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here um, and I'm excited to talk egg donation as a previous egg donor myself, as an uh, intended parent myself, um, on both sides, surgery and egg donation. The egg donor piece is very near and dear to my heart, so I'm excited to, to talk about it. A quick summary. Um I was an egg donor back, gosh, 14 years ago, um, twice for a family who needed my assistance, obviously with an egg donor. And I was ready to um, jump in and help them. Again, this was after I completed my surrogacy journey um, and I had the opportunity and and I was blessed to have somebody help me. I wanted to return that favor and help somebody as an egg donor. And it was successful. And we have a little boy and a little girl um, through my donation. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. So yeah, love, love working in this industry and seeing all these little miracles really just
0: come to life. You know, in the last episode, we talked about surrogacy and being a surrogate, and this is a whole other way that you can help a family. And from the donation side or donor side, tell us what that looks like and what
2: that process is what you go through yeah. to be an egg donor. Absolutely. So when an egg donor will, um, when when they approach us, we'll go over the entire process with um, the criteria that it, that it really is um, required to be an egg donor. So let's start there with the criteria. That's really important because um, it is quite different than say the surrogacy side. And a lot of people will kind of get that mixed up a little bit, but they're really night and day. Um, so for an egg donor, the age to be accepted is 20 to 31. That's the the ages of the egg donors that we'll accept into our program. And then in in addition to that, the donors have to obviously be overall responsible. There's gonna be a lot of appointments that they're gonna attend, especially when they start the stimulation process, which is typically about 12 days prior to the retrieval. And they have to know at least half of their um, genetic makeup. That's really important. And, you know, unlike surrogates, the donors can live in any state. It doesn't matter. We only, our agency only accepts donors who live in the United States. So regardless of where they live, as long as they meet all the other criteria, then we can accept them into our program. But definitely the commitment piece for the egg donors, um, it's about a three-month commitment from the time that they are matched. So by the time that the, the recipients um, secure an egg donor, at that point, it's about a three-month commitment um, at that point. We also have an egg bank as well. So oftentimes we will, we will work with egg donors without a recipient, and they will just cycle through at that point to, to freeze their eggs. So a little bit different there, um, a little shorter commitment at that point when they're just um, at that process. Um, moving forward with the egg bank, but when they are matched with a recipient and it's a fresh donation, it's about a three month commitment.
1: Well, I was going to ask, so kind of a a question that if somebody's considering being an egg donor, what is the financial side to that? And also what is the recovery? Like, is it, I don't know what that looks like (laughs) at all. Is it painful? Is there a recovery period?
2: Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, great question. So the the age donors will receive compensation. Um, typically, if it's a first time donor, it starts at eight thousand, and then it typically will cap at ten thousand that a donor will receive for compensation. Donors can donate up to six times in a lifetime. Um, we really follow the ASRM gu- guidelines, American Society of Reproductive Medicine. Those guidelines so that's really important. They can donate back to back. So typically, they just have to have two menstrual cycles in, in between the actual egg retrievals themselves. So, and that's pretty common. A lot of times the donors, if they're an experienced, proven donor, they're matched quite quickly again. Um, So that's, you know, that's, that's definitely, there's a little downtime, but they can donate pretty quickly right after their, their retrieval. Um, But again, the compensation is right around eight to 10,000. The recovery after the donation itself, the egg retrieval, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, I should say, pretty easy. I've completed um, three egg retrievals myself. Um, you know, you want to take it easy for a while. You want it, you know, for a, definitely like a week or so. Um, you know, if you are a, a gym person and you, you know, you definitely want to maybe rather than work weight, you know, lift weights, maybe just do some some walking things like that, just till you feel that you know you're really um, back to normal. Um, but the recovery itself, you know, you definitely want to push the fluids after the after the egg retrieval. But most most egg donors feel completely fine. Um, You know, we do definitely um, require them to not travel for that day for 24 hours after the egg retrieval. Most of the time there is some travel involved um, if they're flying to another, you know, back home from where the fertility center is. So they want to take it, you know, take it easy. And the egg retrieval itself, um, that process is usually about only 20 minutes. It's pretty quick. Oh, OK. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty quick. They're, they're put under under a twilight anesthetic. So they, they're not going to feel anything They're um, you know Once they have that IV in, um, you know, it's about 20 minutes, but it's pretty quick. And, and you know, they're in and out um, after the retrieval same day. And they do have to have a, a travel companion. So that's really important. So when a donor is traveling for the retrieval, they are allowed to bring a travel companion with them. That's paid for as well as far as the travel. Um, you know, we don't want them driving home, especially after being put under. So yeah. And they're provided obviously a hotel as well. So it's um you know, with the donor. So that's really important that they have that support. Okay.
1: So are their medical costs covered as well? So they're yes. eight to ten thousand they're
2: making or earning or whatever. Yep. And yep. then okay, okay. Yep. Yeah, so the donors will not have to pay for anything, any type, you know, the medications obviously are provided by the Fertility Center, the intended parents are responsible for all those costs, um, the travel is obviously that's covered as well. Um, even daily incidentals for food, um, you know, for meals, those are covered. So really the, the donor is not paying anything out of pocket. If she were to for, um, if it's easier, maybe she wants to book old, her own travel, they're reimbursed for that. So nothing they're paying for is out of pocket and they're receiving the compensation after the after the retrieval takes place.
0: So there are there options from a donor standpoint where they are open to... Having information provided about them, or they can be anonymous throughout that process or
2: going forward. Tell me what that looks like. Yeah, that's a great question, and that's changed so much from the time that we started the agency 15 years ago to today. Especially with all these home DNA kits and genetic kits, it's you know, it's um, it's pretty much just out there. So we've actually a few years ago we've changed the terminology within our own agreements and the way that we share the process with with the recipients and the egg donors. Years ago we would call it anonymous or semi-anonymous. Now it's more closed, semi-closed or open because of that reason. Because realistically, it's, I don't think it's ever gonna moving forward be anonymous anymore with, with all the DNA, you know, testing and, and home kits that we have. But in terms of communication um, with the recipients and the donor, that is also something that we're looking at um, before they're even even matching with recipients matching with an egg donor. If, the recipients want to potentially say meet with their donor, maybe just one time before they decide to move forward. We have to ensure that the donor is comfortable with that. Um, most of the times they are, they're happy to provide you know, communication at that point. Um, but a lot of times that's just it at that point and they do not continue that relationship. But again, it's it's really because we have moved away from the anonymous piece. It's more the closed or semi-closed or fully open, we do have those options for sure. And it's whatever anybody's comfortable with.
1: Oh my gosh, Stacey, that Christy, that is such a great question because it is. I didn't even think about all of that. <laughs> and we have had so many people since the DNA kits are out, yeah. um, where people, you know, people are surfacing and people didn't know. And I've never thought yeah. about it. I we've joked around about this, Christy, of. Well, we know for us women that we don't have a child out there. I mean, we would know, right now that <laughs> right. is changing. I never really thought about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that will happen to women who have possibly donated and yeah. somebody comes through the, comes out later.
2: Wow. <laughs> says, hmm, I did a DNA kit and it's showing that you yeah. may be my genetic link there, or even maybe their children. Cause we have to look at the the siblings too, where you. You know, these donors, um, they have children, you know, down the road of their own, or maybe they already have, you know, children before they decide to be an egg donor, that this potential child may at one day want to connect. And so this has really been a game changer over the years um, with even the psychological piece, because again, all egg donors, they have to complete that psychological evaluation prior to becoming an egg donor. And this is really well discussed. So we discuss it, of course, within within our program and our agency. But even in addition to that, they do meet with a mental health specialist and that's gone over as well. So they have to really fully be prepared for the future. And, you know, this is what we're seeing here and now, but who knows in 10, 15, 20 years, what's it's just going to evolve, right? So, and we, of course, share this information with the recipients too. That is
0: fascinating. Another it one is. is when you talk about the child and if they're aware that they what, that their parents went through this process. And if that inspires them to want to know more, I mean, I guess there's that whole piece that
2: I didn't even consider. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think you're looking at that point as an individual, um, if, you know, as a, a child or a person who's been created through an egg donor, how they are, how they feel about it. Cause some may be completely, just they they really don't feel the need to connect with their egg donor, and some may really find it fascinating and say, right. "I want to I want to meet these people who helped me obviously be here right. in this world," and they want to know maybe some similarities and maybe not you know not so much. I don't I don't ever think a, a donor child would feel that you know the maternal piece like oh I want to go. And, and find my real mother, because that's, you know, that's not what they're looking for. They're just probably like similarities. Like, do we have the same eye color, you know, same hair color or, you know, mannerisms? I think that's probably pretty interesting for some, you know, children as they grow up and maybe some aren't, you know? Yeah. It's a
1: really good question because we did see that with the sperm banks where, when, as the children got older, they said, and they found out there was this search for, well, who was my. Biological father. So I think yes. yeah, I never really thought about that. So um, Stacey, with that, is it there's a genetic profile, I'm sure, on every egg yeah. donor, right? And yeah. and yeah. a history. And so is that that's obviously given to the the families that are yeah, right? absolutely.
2: Okay. Yeah. So the egg donor profile will consist of. Um, all of her, if she has children, that's linked, obviously her genetic, grandparents, parents, that's obviously shared as well, as well as any type of, you know, if there's cancers in their family or any health related data um, is definitely obviously disclosed as well. So there's a lot of information in addition to many photos of the donor um, that is shared within those profiles that the recipients will have access to. They just don't have access to like her confidential information in terms of where she lives, contact information, things like that. We definitely protect all parties on the end. Discover adventure, discover luxury, discover Moab with exclusive retreats for your next vacation or event. Wake up to amazing views only minutes from Utah's most breathtaking national and state parks and Moab's best shopping and dining. Enjoy your fully stocked vacation home with private pool and hot tub. Every room is a luxurious private suite, plus daily made service and private chefs are available. Exclusive retreats, we're not your home away from home. We are better. Book today at exclusiveretreats.com.
0: So like our um, ratio with surrogacy, um, talk about the ratio, you know, with our intended families, but then how much, you know, we're looking at with people that are coming forward as donors.
2: Yeah, so their ratio, I would say, is pretty even, um, just because of the, the the criteria for the egg donors is much more opened up because we can work with with egg donors throughout the entire you know, United States, they don't have to have had children before. And so just many more do qualify the egg donors to, to help families. Um, and recipients, same thing, the infertility piece, um, you're looking at, again, one out of every six people do experience the, the infertility. And so they, they need an egg donor to help grow their family. If that's the process they want to grow their family, as well as same sex. Obviously, they would have to utilize an egg donor. So it's just a, it's a, you know, really high demand, you know, process that we get to be a part of. And so it's really exciting. And, um, you know, again, we, we have an egg bank as well. So that too, where the, the, the timing wise. So if, you know, it's so different than if recipients are wanting to work with an egg donor for a fresh cycle, what that means is that the donor is starting at that point from the very beginning stages. So we have to get her medical screening complete. And then obviously there's the legal process, the psychological process, and then the egg retrieval. So that's going to be typically about a three-month commitment from the time that they start until they have those eggs retrieved versus an egg bank to where the eggs are already there. And it's a much quicker process for recipients. So it's really what people are are looking for within their their own journey.
0: So let's talk about the families,
2: the intended families. Yeah. Yeah. And the starting process for that. Yeah, absolutely. So what we do is we have an egg bank and an, an egg donor uh, database that will provide all these profiles for the egg donors. And again, there will be so much information linked to those profiles, photos and any genetic background um, with each with, with each donor. And those, those recipients can just log in there. Um, obviously, it's free. They log right in there um, once they contact us. They're given that access to that egg donor database, and they can really um, do a search on if they're looking for specific, maybe ethnicities or specific hair color, eye color, location, height, all of that, they can do a search by that. And and then they will just, you know, once they find a donor within our program that they're interested in, the donors are um, categorized by number, their egg donor ID number, and then those recipients will reach out to us and then we'll get started with, you know, Obviously, confirming the donor's availability—that it's um, the same as when the the recipients want to get started—and then from that point forward, like I said, it's about a three-month process when they're utilizing a fresh donor until they have their their uh, their eggs retrieved. At that point, um, it is important as well. I think um, this is so always always important to talk about is that once the eggs are retrieved and they are fertilized by the recipients, at that point the donors do know they no longer have rights to their eggs or any embryos moving forward. Now the donor can certainly up at up to any point until her eggs are fertilized at that point. Um, she, at that point does have the rights to her eggs, but once they're fertilized, those, those embryos are the rights of, they belong to those, those recipients. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very um, straightforward process. Um, again, there's attorneys that are involved. So they'll have a contract with one another, um, again everybody is very well versed on the process and we're aligning you know ourselves with those with those experts of you know within the within the legal process and what is the financial obligation are you, are they seen as a family yeah typically it you know again it goes back to do they have infertility coverage a lot of times they do within their insurance so that a lot of times will cover the actual donors retrieval um, if not, maybe they're travel. Sometimes medications. Those medications can be pretty costly. It could be up to you know four to eight thousand dollars for the the medications. But overall, it's typically anywhere from let's say it could be twenty one thousand up to thirty five forty thousand, just really depending on again the insurance, the egg donor's location, how often she has to travel. Egg donors are typically required to um, travel to the fertility center. Usually about five days prior to the actual egg retrieval itself, those fertility centers really want to keep a close eye on the egg donors. There's going to be a lot of ultrasounds, making sure that you know, she's not hyperstimulating. So that's really important. So they're going to have those labs drawn all the time during the stimulation process um, until after the eggs are retrieved. So you're looking at the hotel cost and again travel for the for the donors as well.
1: Wow, it's just I, I, there's so it, it, there's so much information. But there's so many things I didn't know. I mean, I'm just envisioning, you know, looking at that profile of all those people
2: and what a, what a great, it's just such a, the gift of life, boy, it, you know, it's pretty remarkable. And, you know, you hit, you hit the nail on the head when you're looking at the profiles, I think to a lot of recipients, especially when it's a couple, they have to really determine which egg donor is the best for them. And it's overwhelming because you see all these profiles and typically when recipients come to us, they've already had or they're going to have access to maybe other locations. Sometimes fertility centers have their own egg donor program. So it's just, it's almost where there's just so many choices out there for egg donors. And then deciding which egg donor really is best for their family. And, you know, the the couples have to decide, you know, maybe one loves this donor, the other one's like, eh, I don't know if she's the right one. And so really to, you know, really make that final. Decision is. I'm sure it's, it's it's very overwhelming. I'm sure exciting, sometimes frustrating. It's just a whole ball of emotions. Mm-hmm. But the fact that egg donation definitely exists, it's, it is it's pretty pretty miraculous. And what a beautiful gift it really
0: is to be able to give another family. So we would love for you to share how our listeners can get in touch with you from both sides. And if there's any other message you think would be important to help inspire more people to consider egg donation, share that with us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So anybody can contact us right off of our website at family source consultants.com. And right on there, there's links that will take them right to whatever the information they need. They can call us, they can email us at info at family And you know, the message I always like to leave both parties with, um, you know, the donors that yeah, just the fulfilling the desire for these hopeful parents is just sometimes I don't know that donors you know, they're excited to do this. It's a feel good thing, but, you know, maybe they're not mothers yet themselves, these donors, and maybe they never, that's not in their, you know, their vision to become a parent, but just, we remind them that, man, that, that hope that you're giving to these recipients is just, it's amazing. And so take this and just, just, you know, feel so proud of yourselves for doing this. And for the recipients, oh my goodness, the, the desire to become a parent and never give up is, you know, they should be proud of themselves as well. Um, when, they, when they take this step to build their family through egg donation, you know, again, it's just, it's, it's, really, it's, it's really amazing that they're able to not only make the decision, because sometimes, you know, when, when it's a couple and the recipient has to give up the idea of using her own genetics, it's not easy for everybody. Some, some recipients are completely at peace with that. And some really have to kind of struggle till they get to that point. But I'll tell you, when we've had recipients that maybe had that, that struggle after their child is born, we've had, oh, my goodness, hundreds of recipients tell us, you know what? I wouldn't change this baby for the world, even if it was my own genetics. This is my child. It was meant to be my child. And this is just they're so thankful to these egg donors. So I think, you know, it's such a beautiful, beautiful story that we we get to embark on and we get to hear all the time.
0: But you're doing beautiful work. You are doing such Beautiful, miraculous work. So thank you for what you've created and what you're giving back to our communities.
2: Yeah, beautifully said. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me share it with 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 you, you know, with your team too. It's, I really appreciate that. Thank, thank you. you so
1: much for being with us. And please to our listeners, check out her website because it's chock full of a ton of information. So thank you so much for being with us, Stacey.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think someone could benefit, please share. If there's a conversation you think we should be having or a topic that resonated with you, please let us know. You can engage and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pieces
0: of a Woman Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen to us on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a comment.